Ryan, don't listen to the haters. I love you, and you love me. We do not owe anyone anything. Our family is who matters. If you get likes and good comments, great. If you get hate and whatever else, they don't matter. I love you. Besides, they jealous because you are rocking my world every night. Yeah, I said it. The D is fire. Happy wife, happy life. Which is to say, Gypsy Rose Blanchard is out of prison. Oh my god, I was gonna guess who you were being. I was like, okay, Ryan, is it Juliana Rancic? <laughs> Talking to Ryan Seacrest. Throwback, can you imagine? I know, like, Ryan, don't listen to them, but wow, wow. She is out, and I watched, unfortunately, the entirety of the act on Hulu with my family oh, this it's Christmas. Am- it's amazing. It's so disturbing. Like, I don't have the stomach for certain things anymore, and, like, Munchausen by Proxy is just one of them. Yeah. What are other things you don't have the stomach for now that you're of age? <laughs> Waiting in line. Okay. Anywhere specific? For anything. Just generally. It just, just anywhere. Like, if I can call ahead and reserve my spot and just show up at that right time, baby, that's it for me. Uh, what totally. else? Traffic um, in Los Angeles. Mm. Nothing makes me question my sanity or my reality more. Fuck, Mary kill. The traffic in Los Ooh. Angeles, the price of gas in Los Angeles, <laughs> and the cost of rent in Los Angeles. Okay, uh, well, I feel like that one's hard because the cost of rent in Los Angeles is what fucks you. Right. I would kill the traffic. Okay. And I would marry the gas price because, baby, that's they got money. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. You, I think I forgot one. I said the same one for two of them. Well, you have to marry paying. You're not marrying earning. Oh, I think I'm getting fucked all the way around. Well... What's fu- kind of fun about marrying the gas price is maybe you could lock it in at a fixed rate. <laughs> Treat it like the Federal Reserve with inflation right now. Yeah, like a fixed mortgage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what did I say? Gas, traffic, and rent. You know, I think I would. Yeah. I think I would marry the traffic. I forgot traffic. That's the. I said. I think gas prices twice. Honey, Whoops. not how it works. Short-term memory of not even a goldfish. That's disparaging to goldfish. They can solve puzzles and make their way out of mazes sorry goldfish sorry goldfish anyway (laughs) we are back on opposite coasts we are operating from our radar peak satellite offices it is the year 2024 i can hardly believe that actually i'm like excited that it's a new year and also terrified that it's going to be worse than the last three (laughs) yeah well it's like you know if the past four have taught us anything it's that probably probably it ain't getting better you know what someone said to me and it was a really it was a really sweet take i can always look to this person for like Uh sort of silver lining of the apocalypse and our dedicated listener max Uh said he goes you have to destroy in order to create and i'm like maybe we're just in destruction or like no he says he said it's always darkest before the dawn and i'm like i was gonna say you have to destroy before you create is giving me both like thanos in infinity war but it's also giving me mao zedong Yeah, I was gonna say like, what was it? Born through the barrel of a gun or something, yeah. or change or change that. Yeah, but darkest before the dawn makes me feel a little better. Yeah, same. I was gonna say the other way, Max. Welcome to the revolution. But uh, <laughs> so, but I did. Oh no, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. You did what? No, no, no. Come no, on. No, you're. You, 
Yours first. Well, I was going to say, because we're on opposite coasts, Yeah. you know, I'm seeing in the news, like, there was just this really terrible, you know, plane accident in Japan. <gasps> oh, flights my God. are getting the delayed all... Yeah, like, flights are getting delayed all around the world. There's solar storms, it feels like, every other week that are, like, in some way messing with electronic communication equipment. But I heard through the grapevine that on a flight recently, you experienced a delay. Indeed. Indeed, I did. And, <sighs> listen... The rumor has it that I peed <laughs> on the seat, and that's what delayed the flight. But let me tell you, that was not the case. And okay. I'm glad you asked, because I want to clear up two things. Yeah. One, I just want to tell you, there are two great stories that came out of my trip from West Coast to East Coast. Okay. Number one, I guess I'll just, I'll clear up the rumor right now. I did not piss my seat, but Emily posted that I did. But when I boarded my plane, yes, my plane, uh, because I got upgraded to... Flying in Kim bus- Air. Business class. Basically. And so here I am, so excited. I got to sit in the freaking, uh, what is it? Like the Admiral, but not the Admiral Lounge, the... Whatever, the flagship lounge. Oh, yeah, nice. Totally different experience going to the airport and getting to, like, sit in the Admiral or the flagship lounge. What a luxury. Caviar bumps and champagne. Literally, and, like, free food, free water, free alcohol, free cappuccinos. I even made a Bloody Mary just to throw it away. Like, I didn't even want one. I just was like, let me make one. Tell me how it works that the people who have the most money who are flying in business don't have to pay anything for the things, and the people with the least money having to fly in economy get bilked for whatever they have on them for a sip of water a morsel of bread when you're living in america yep but after the millennium god's dark anyways so this malicious rumor going around about you so i get on the plane i walk to my seat 10d and i get there and my seat is like a huge puddle of water like soaked and like i pick up the little pillow and blanket water pouring out of the bag like soaking wet i go up to the flight attendant i'm like were you on mh370 why was there water great question i was like uh hi um i'm sitting in 10d like i just wanted her to know that uh i'm not coming to you as a plebeian i'm coming to you as an elitist Mm -hmm. I'm coming to you as an aristocrat. I would like to speak with the manager of this here flight. Hi, I'm sitting in business class and my seat is soaking wet. And she goes, oh no, you too. I was like, me too. She's like, okay, so it's 10B and 10D. So basically my seat and the seat across the aisle in the window randomly also soaking wet and what emily and i concluded was that when they like brought on the new blankets and pillows Mm -hmm. that that must have been in like it was it's been raining forever in la yeah we think that like the bags got full of water like they must have just been out in the rain like in their storage yes so when they like throw them on the seats i think they literally just dumped all their water out onto the seat but so now it's not enough to like put a towel down like these seats are absolutely saturado well and truly (laughs) soaked and so we wait for like neon vest people to get on the plane and you could just look back into you know coach and everyone's just like what the fuck and Mm -hmm. i'm just standing there and i'm like oh i have to stand and the neon vest guy like comes up to the seat he pats my seat smells his fingers oh no and he goes what that's sociopathic 
What if, I was like, what if it had oh, been, why? What if, what if it had been like a chemical agent or something? And he just like touched a nerve agent and then like sniffed it. Like, what? It was so, it was bizarre. That's I don't want to, yeah. I was like, okay, that's one way to do it. That's some old fashioned shit. Have I ever seen it? Yeah, seriously. He's like, ah, I know how to handle this. <laughs> but basically, he goes, uh, it smells like coffee. And I'm like, no, you're smelling my coffee. Like, I'm literally yeah. holding a cup of coffee, like, no lid. That's like. You're like, I'm sorry not to be rude, but do you have COVID? <laughs> I'm just like, come on. I'm like, it's not. He's like, yep, that's coffee. I'm like, no, it's literally not coffee. It's 100% water. So then they remove the entire cushion, and we have to wait like a half hour for them to like go find a replacement cushion from like another plane for me and the, the seat of the kid that was across from me and oh my god while we were waiting three hours later you can kind of you know so basically he rips off the like whole cushion so i can see the like skeleton of the airplane Jeez, okay something i never want to see is the innards of an airplane seat like i don't even ever ever. and i i realized a few days ago why i have such a smudge phobia and like trash phobia like i like when i take out the garbage i didn't i didn't know about this oh yeah like i don't like getting on planes i I took emily on a date we went bowling even though i hate bowling and part of the reason Uh i hate bowling is not only that i'm bad at bowling though that is incredibly difficult for me as a self-identifying sore loser um Uh (laughs) but what really like immediately puts me on edge is like the second i walk into a bowling alley i am just disgusted by like i don't know what kind of smudges and like dirt and like stains and like sticky surfaces are awaiting my touch sure yeah And that's how I feel getting on a plane. That's how I feel in a bowling alley. That's how I feel in a movie theater. Like if I don't want anything to be sticky ever. And that's fair. You get it. I get it because it's like I I, I have this compulsion. Like anytime I crack an egg, anytime I like touch a door, I have to do the little rinse of my fingers. You know, like maybe I don't know that maybe that's OCD. Maybe it's generational. I don't exactly know. Maybe it's just my training in food safety. But uh, I get it. Like if I if, if I can feel anything ever wetness stickiness grit and i like it's part of why my hands are always like dry and nearly cracking open because i'm like scrubbing for surgery sun up to sundown i feel like yeah yeah anyways it just puts me in a state of like anxiety immediately and i Mm -hmm. think the reason the like original sort of seed of this like extreme like unwellness around like in that kind of environment i was so we were hanging out with emily's friend billy and billy Mm -hmm. um he works at a marina and so a marina oh a marina i was like i thought that was maybe like a a restaurant restaurant that i hadn't been to yet yeah no he works that is a nice name for a restaurant though he works at a marina and i was just like oh my god tell me all your boating stories and horrors Mm -hmm. like i just was like i know that a marina is a chaotic place and we're talking i mean as witnessed on below deck yes and when i was growing up my dad had this like small boat that he bought like in the 80s that we would go every fucking weekend on and i Uh hated it it was always like (laughs) it was always death and death was always knocking on the boat door and Mm. my parents were always screaming at each other and it just was like from the age of two to like i was to to when i was old enough to like be alone and not go boating um we were doing that anyways one time things were always going wrong and everything is like under stuff like and like everything's condensed right because you're on a boat like the the shower is the toilet you know oh like like there's a lot of just like uh oh 
economy of space and also I'm small, right? So my dad would make me go into small places to fix things for him and he Ooh. would like instruct me. And one time, yeah. Brett, I had to go in the garbage chute. Oh no. And I ugh, like digging <laughs> like digging through it? Like imagine there's like a hole in a counter where you put the garbage. So he made me go into that hole. There was no garbage currently in it, but you know, like, that garbage hole is never fully clean. No. Well, also, who's going in and, like, scrubbing with Lysol ever? The inside of that. So, I don't know what I had to fix. I, I don't know if it was something electrical. I think it was something electrical because it's, like, right next to, like, the sink and the plumbing. Like, maybe it was plumbing related. But basically, my dad uh-huh. made me go into the garbage chute Ugh. underneath the, like, kitchen counter. And I am basically in a crawl space that is, like, 12 feet wide. Uh, sorry, 12 inches oh. wide. Oh, see, absolutely not. And I'm surrounded by these white, like, panels. But all of them have these smudges on it. Okay. And I'm like, they're obviously from like garbage, you know, like it could have been like dried sauce or like, like anything stuff that you don't want to be near. Yes. And I am like literally millimeters from it. Like I am, I am just big enough to fit. And like, I, so when I think back to that, I'm like, oh, that is my, you know, original trauma around being kind of trapped in like a dirty space Mm -hmm. and now i just feel like okay at least i have an understanding of where this all comes from that said i went bowling it wasn't that bad though i did i was so bad i i i I shot only or rolled only gutter balls for like the first 10 frames and oh wait so wait so if 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 you don't like small spaces that could potentially be sticky you're okay to put your fingers inside the bowling ball? Those have never been sticky. <laughs> but it's more the seats. It's like why I don't like leather. Oh, right, right, right. It's why yeah, you refuse no. to sit on my furniture. <laughs> <laughs> Though I did sit on it and it wasn't so bad. Um, but no, really, it's like the seats. It's like, especially if I'm on an airplane and the seats are leather. Even Yeah, I just... Bleh. It's stickier. But after like 10 frames of gutter balls, I'm trying to maintain like a really good attitude of just like, who cares if you lose, right? Like, I don't care if I lose. But like, for whatever reason, like my inner child is just going, it just like, she just comes out. It's like, when was the last time I bowled? When I was probably like eight and like I was humiliated because I once again was bad at bowling. And I was such like a sore loser and you just get frustrated. And Emily's like, baby, like, it's okay. And I'm like, literally on the verge of crying (laughs) and i'm embarrassed i'm embarrassed that i'm so bad at losing like that like i just want to be decent i don't even want to be the best oh baby just take comfort rupaul says losing is the new winning you think yeah i got better ultimately emily taught me a thing or two i found my groove I actually beat Emily in two, fr- in two games. Okay. So I would bowl again, but I'm just here to speak to all of these sore losers that can't help it, that are listening to the podcast right now. And I just want to say, you're not alone. Um, but so anyways, that, that's the pissing the seat story. I didn't piss my seat. But the other crazy story. So that's, that's way less salacious than I was preparing for. I, I was thinking like it was maybe like a horror story where like you hear about people getting like stuck in the taxi position for like 18 hours, like waiting for, you know, whatever to happen. No, they brought on the cushions. It was all fine. But the real salacious story happened before we boarded the flight. Uh Oh, were um, edibles involved? 
No, no. Though I don't know how Emily takes as many edibles as she does before a plane. But we are walking to the gate and I see a cop and I see this man go, officer, over here. Could you just follow me? Like, And I'm like, oh, I gotta see this. Yeah. Luckily, they're going straight to my gate. So I walk over to the gate and I see the cop and this guy walk up to this girl who's probably like 24, 25 years old. Okay. She's blonde. She's just like any old girl. Like if I had to describe her aesthetic, I would say she's a, a little bit like of a Tumblr girl. Oh, okay. Like that tells you a lot about her yeah, style. Like the, you know, like the swoopy down hair. Bleach like, blonde, like long, uh-huh. but like kind of grunge. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing designer but still like an aesthetic for sure yeah like trying to look cute i can see her yep and she's like standing up she's skinny and the guy and the cop come over to her and cops and and the guy's like she has them i know she has them like i literally can see it on my phone that she has them and the girl's like i don't have them i swear oh my god and the guy is like i'll play the sound right now oh shit with a find my yes oh bitch so the cop goes okay play it And so the guy plays the sound and you hear it and you see this girl's face just like turn into like a guilty smile. And she's like, I'm sorry. And she takes the AirPods out of her pocket and gives them to the guy. And the guy goes, officer, thank you very much. Like, it's fine. You can let her go. Thank you. And he just walks away and and like, I I don't know. I assume he goes to baggage claim. Like, it was weird because... Because the girl who stole the AirPods was on my flight. But the guy who lost his was not on my flight. He was seemingly leaving. He was on a departing from the airport you flew into. So just bizarre. Like I don't know how that happened time slip like do we have like a manifest situation like how how could she have been there to steal his airpods maybe she was like on a plane with you well maybe he got off the plane that arrived before us and like put his shit down for a second and oh, yeah, she's maybe. like waiting to board and she sees them oh and just God. grabs them so that i mean i could see also that's why he knew that they were there because he knew he had them yeah i don't know why when you described like when when she got that like smile i just like i saw like a wall breaker for some reason yeah just being Which like is just very kubrick smile very oh like, it was insane i was like this is or whatever this is peak drama like playing out Damn. you can't write this and and the officer is like you better not do that again and she's like i know i'm sorry i just really i thought they were mine but then like when the cop walks away this girl's lucky that she's like cute like this is classic example of like pretty privilege pretty privilege the cop's like, yeah, just don't do it again. You know, you're, you're going to get in trouble. He was being very nice to her. And yeah, okay. the cop leaves and she like FaceTimes her boyfriend or something, puts in her fucking like Samsung AirPod knockoffs that oh are like God. black. Like they're not, they're not AirPods. Like, no you way to mistake them. Yeah. yeah. she And I was like, oh my God, this is a true klepto because she couldn't help it. Like she needed yeah. to take them. Compelled. Yes. Yeah, wow. I was like, you are a sick and and i was just like i'm staying far away from that girl but she facetimed like her friend or her boyfriend the whole time and and you can just see her being like i'm so embarrassed like oh my god (laughs) like and she facetimed him all the way to like when we boarded the flight and took off and i was just like nothing can save you from being judged for who you are which is a kleptomaniac that's wild so be alert you know don't trust if you see something (laughs) say something Truly. Honestly, hats off to that guy. Anyway, anyway I'm, I was trying to think of a way to jump into... I have what may turn out to be 
just a big if true. Okay. Is but it a- if the science holds, because it is actual science based, like from observations made by telescopes. Okay. If the science holds, you know how like whether or not you're a Marvel fan or not, but like what's happening in like the Marvel cinematic universe is they kind of set up this idea that like there are multiverses, right? There's like an infinite number of Spider-Man of Iron Man, of all this stuff. And it's just like, it's the many worlds theorem that like we exist in a state of our everything that is like an infinite holographic copy, more so than you could even count because it could very well be infinite. Anyway, there is this telescope that is called Bicep 2. I'm not going to get into what it means because it doesn't really matter. But basically, scientists using Bicep 2 have been observing the cosmos and they're seeing these patterns that are swirling that don't look like dust or gas or even like gravitational waves. And they're arriving at the preliminary conclusion that these swirling patterns in the sky might be signs of black holes that survived the destruction of a universe that existed before the Big Bang that created ours. What? Okay, I actually have chills. According to Roger Penrose, a mathematical physicist at the University of Oxford, he says, what we claim we're seeing is the final remnant after a black hole has evaporated away in the previous eon. And that happens through a process that's called Hawking radiation, just as a black hole exists, it is constantly radiating away some of itself over time. So eventually, you know, like all supermassive black holes could, in theory, just dwindle away to like the tiny point that is left, basically, before they evaporate into the cosmos and they're gone forever. So what they're claiming they're seeing are waves made in space by some of these primordial black holes that existed not at all part of our universe, but as part of one that existed before ours. Mm, Primordial primordial black holes mm-hmm. damn it's worth noting they say because you know they are scientists so they're not afraid to say you know like this is what we believe but here are some potential weak points according to new scientists these claims that they're making they're obviously pretty bold ones because it's like you've got a scientist coming out in a research setting being like uh, i think that there have been more than just this universe type thing but according to olivier door who works at nasa's jet propulsion laboratory or jpl over in pasadena he says that there are some other effects in the cosmos that could be sort of like giving them these same readings. And he says, I love the fact that their cosmological model predicts specific signatures in the data, but I would need to see more details to be convinced by their claim as it would certainly be interesting. So we've got scientists being like, you know, it sounds like it could be real, but I'm not going to co-sign it yet. I'm just going to keep looking at the numbers until something like literally jumps out at me. But big if true, scientists claim they have direct evidence of the universe that existed just before ours. Ah, so much theoretical news. Like, I just want something material. Concrete. That's the the materialist in me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The uh, cynical materialist in me. So depressing. How can I annihilate that part of myself? I know. It's like I... Believe in theory. (laughs) And and thinking about, like, as it relates to the three-body problem, it's like, you know, you've got, from from the first installment, you've got Wang Miao, who, like, was an applied researcher, but a lot of his work was based on theoretical models. And then now, even with Luoji, it's like there's an aspect of theory working in there and like especially as he builds this new sort of scientific field of cosmic sociology like the whole thing kind of is theory because it's never been put into practice before and it just leaves me thinking like "Mm, 
I think I could be a scientist, but it's, I think that's where faith would kind of come hard for me. I think I would be like much more dictated by it. Well, like, is it in black and white? And is it like irrefutable? Otherwise, I can't even really like think about it too much. <sighs> I could go on so many tangents, but I'll spare you. <laughs> Let's do it for Patreon. Uh, but speaking of Hawking, you see the new Epstein list? <laughs> Wait, was Stephen Hawking on the Epstein list? Sure was. Sure was. No, are you serious? Yeah, and not as just like someone like named in the trial, like as someone I'm pretty sure was named as a client, but allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. It's, it's really, it's, it's wild. I honestly, I didn't think that we would ever see any of these names unsealed. So like in a weird way, it does kind of almost feel like the beginning of justice for that whole thing. But then it's also like, you know, right before Ghislaine Maxwell was ultimately sent to prison, she was photographed in California at an in and out of all places over in like Culver City or Century City or something sitting there having lunch and reading a book. And the book was I forget the title, but it was like something to the effect of like Lolita. <laughs> alluding to the fact that like Jeffrey Epstein was intelligence. Oh, interesting. And that like sort of alluding to the Probably. idea that like Jeffrey Epstein was allegedly intelligence who was in the process of being burned. Not to say that like he didn't commit or perpetrate all of those things, but just, you know, it's like if you're intelligence and you're helping a, a federal government, nine times out of 10, I feel like crimes are going to get swept under the rug because what they're getting from you is better than, you know, any sort of like negative blowback that could come from like your own personal actions so it's like you know it's like you know, where do you stop pointing the finger it's like you can't just stop pointing it at jeffrey and Ghislaine. it's like who else knew and allowed all that to keep going and i guess that's part of why they're unsealing these. i mean what better way to influence like high-powered individuals in foreign countries than to bring underage women to them or i mean it's it feels straight out of like the russia playbook of like get people in compromising situations record it so there's you know firm evidence and then you basically own them because it's like if they're powerful they don't want that out there yeah and the fact that he was you know unalived mis under mysterious circumstances like mm-hmm it doesn't feel, it feels very JFK. Feels a little B613. Like, this is a very coordinated, yeah, a very uh -huh. coordinated effort that feels a little higher than just a wealthy man, you know? Yep. It just feels national security related. Yep. So. Interesting. Interesting indeed. But that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's called Liter Truanon. Literally. That's all I have to say. Well, it's good to see you. It'll be good to see you back in person, but I'll take what I can get for now. And we're back with another installment making our way through the Dark Forest with Cixin Lu. Also, something I I don't know if we talked about this or not, but the next book, our boy Ken Lu is back translating. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Not to knock the translator of this one, but Ken will always be closest to my heart, I think. No shade to Joel Longwinded Martinson. <laughs> But Bless him. How's Threads, by the way? How is it going over at Threads? Threads feels like how Twitter felt like on launch week. Okay, like tell me like if there's th okay, there's three parties you can go to. Like there's three doors. One is the Threads mm -hmm. party, one is the Twitter party, and one is the Mastodon party. Who is at each party? What are they serving? What's the vibe? What's the music? What's the light? Like what do you what drugs are you doing there? Like like for sure. So Mastodon, I feel like, is a mix of people who are like stone cold straight edge or... <laughs> 
Or they're like the people who are like buying like mushrooms and DMT or whatever on the dark web. Like that's the Mastodon. It's like a binary. There's only one or the other at Mastodon. Is there music playing or are they just there to like? I think it's whatever the Green Party plays at their like rallies when they're running a third party candidate for the U.S. presidential election. It's like probably very Willie Nelson. No, because that winds up getting played at like a lot of the like conservative type. Oh. Oh, okay. But okay. I feel like I feel like whether or not they are the straight edge people or the dark web drug buyers, they're both voting for Jill Stein, and that's where they like shake hands and meet in the middle. They're like, hell yeah, break the system in okay. the binary or whatever. Okay. On Twitter, you've got like you walk through that door. Who's answering it? <laughs> most likely a sex worker because that's like one of the last semi safe posting platforms that they have. It's true. I've been I've been targeted n- numerous times by new followers that are like hey babe not to say that their data is safer but like that's just like the platform that seems to like tolerate that sort of content that's for free and not behind a paywall not like only fans or like something like that so it's like trolls and sex workers trolls sex workers and elon musk fanboys it's dark it's dingy you're doing like horse and it's literally like Listening. K off the bathroom counter yeah. in like in an underground bar in Bushwick. Yeah, like it's that kind of thing. You're listening to Grimes. Then, oh, or like Arca or something. <laughs> okay, and, and then, then Threads, Threads is like you. all, it's like all these influencers that you see getting invited to like the White House Christmas party. Yeah. And like you walk into like a Brooklyn Heights brownstone. <laughs> yeah, like everybody is so impeccably dressed. It almost feels like you are inside Saltburn. If yes. you've seen that movie, it's, it's, like it's I a did. lot of quiet luxury, but at the same time, there's a lot of over the top also. It's ascots, it's pashminas, it's, it's delusion, it's oversharing, but it's mm-hmm. still fun. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Because but it's still moderated. Sick. All of them sick. All of them sick in the head. <laughs> you're you're going to leave feeling a little uneasy from all three. Yeah. But th- no, I get that. I love that. They're honestly, they feel like different Horcruxes from Harry Potter. Like one of them took less of your soul, and then there's like the spectrum where like that's threads, and then like Twitter on the other end like takes your entire soul to be an active user on. I feel like. I mean, but threads gives um like a uh, get out where it's like you think oh, you're in this yeah. great place, but actually, I could see that it is secretly a sunken place. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I, I could see that a hundred percent. Yep, mm-hmm. and it's so good at disguising itself that everybody there will never. It's like they're inside like Dante's Inferno, but they don't know where they are. They think they're in the other place. Oh my god, that is like the other place. Spoiler alert: they all think they're in the good place, but they realize the good place is the bad place. Mm, and what's the bad place? I mean, what's the good place actually? Well, like heaven, hell. No, I know, I know. Realize, but, but what is the actual heaven? In what? Like, spoil it for me. Do they find oh, out? Oh, I don't know. I, I haven't seen it. I just know that that's like the the giveaway that like at a point they realize this place that like looks beautiful and idyllic and sort of like Truman Show esque like is actually the bad place. I love that. That's good. I wonder Mm -hmm. when they find that out. Anyway, Brett. Anyway. Should we dive into this week's chapters? Let's do it. We got a lot this week. We've got some new characters. Mm-hmm. We've got some little trips. So buckle up tight, my radar freaks. You're in for another treat. <gasps> Is it radar freaks? I, I like that one. That's the one that stuck for me. Okay. Radar freaks. Radar peeps. Bugs. And bugs. Radar creeps. Radar creeps. Try Solaris. Try Solaris. Try Solaris. Yeah. Try Solaris. <laughs> 
For a second, I thought that was to the tune of Bicycle from Queen. Mm, no. <laughs> I don't know that song. That might not be what it's called. No. Mm, no, I don't know that song. No, sweetie. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into it. Start. Two. One. You're listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast reviewing our way through the three-body problem and discussing its real-life parallels. I'm Allie. I'm Brett. And this week, Luoji finally has decided to do something as a wall facer. Dasha gets some not-so-great news. And it might seem like Luoji's imaginary girlfriend is back, but that's not the full picture. Stay tuned. Remember Luoji, who's up in the Swiss Alps or, you know, wherever he is in paradise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. Good for nothing. Wall facer, who doesn't seem to be taking the job too seriously, but is milking Mm -hmm. it for everything it's worth i mean who who wouldn't i do not blame them so remember he calls he asks for dasha to come and become his security detail because he's like oh yes get these white guys out of here yeah they can't even speak chinese get them away from me yeah so dasha arrives at luoji's massive estate as part of the wall facer project somewhere in the alps or whatever okay and luoji is like eh what do you think oh my god pretty spiffy place i got here huh yeah dasha obviously takes a long drag of his marlboro red (laughs) of his jewel and he's like i mean with the lake so close to the house it'd be difficult to defend against divers coming from the woods on the other side you've got security breaches over here like all he sees when he looks at a at any property is how difficult is it yeah how difficult is it going to be for me to keep this locked and secure damn i guess that's who you want though true loji is like come on dasha can you be a little more romantic and dasha is like i came here to work and so work i shall yeah and Loji is like, well, it's actually something romantic. Well, okay, so Dasha is like, I'm here to work. And aren't you supposed to be working as well? Yeah, like, what are you doing, wall facer? Yeah, literally. And Loji is like, well, actually, I am working. I'm working on something quite romantic, in fact. And he sips his brandy, and he asks Dasha to do him a favor. He's like, okay. I'm going to need a little help from you to execute this work. Quid pro quo. (laughs) He's like, Dasha, in your old job, did you ever have to find someone specific? Dasha's like, sure, of course. I'm, you know, part of police, like most of the job. He's like, did you ever have to scour the globe for a particular person? Dasha's like, certainly. Lil G's like, all right, well, I'm going to need you to help me find someone. Okay. Dasha's like, no problem. What's her name? What's her nationality? What's the address? I mean, say less. Well, actually say more. <laughs> Please, just a little more. Yeah. Like, what, who is it? Give me any details. Lil G's like, okay. here's the thing. I don't have that. I don't have her name. I don't have her nationality. I don't even really have her address. I don't have anything about her. 
It's like a misconnection. The possibility that she, you think, but the possibility that she even exists in the world is actually quite low. Okay. Is he, is he like sick in the head from that like poisoned ocean wine he drank still? Dasha goes, is this a girl from a dream? Oh, no. And I don't know if you guys remember that recap oh, episode. No. Yes, remember? He had that ex-girlfriend who was a writer who was like, imagine like the girl of your dreams. And then that girl yeah. of his dreams came to life in his mind. And he went on that road trip with her. And, and, and he she gave her hypothermia because he forgot her outside like a lost puppy. Oh, the, no. Yes. So... She's back. Okay. And Luigi's like, yes, it is that girl from a dream. No, what? And to Luigi's surprise, Dasha is like, okay, tell me what she looks like. So Luigi, this is the first time that he's really like talking out loud about her or like being asked yeah. to describe her. And he's like, uh, 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 well, okay. You know, it's like, because sometimes like a person that you make up in your mind is more of like a Specter than, yeah, it's just like a construct. Yes, like when you really it's have not really to, about them, right? So she's like, uh, uh, oh, oh, Luigi's like, okay, uh, she's okay. How does she look? She's um, uh, well, sh- she's she's a woman. Uh, <laughs> she's a woman. Uh, yeah, like, she's definitely in her early twenties. Um, she's Asian. Let's say Chinese. He tries to draw her, and then he's like, okay. I'm terrible at drawing. What am I even doing? He draws like a fucking stick figure. She looks like this. She's wearing a dress shaped like a triangle. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, uh, Dasha, uh, okay, wait, do you have that software that police people, police officers use to do like mock up sketches of suspects? Ooh, this is three body CSI. <laughs> Literally. Dasha is like, oh yeah, you mean police sketch Photoshop 11.3? Yeah, I, I obviously have that software. Yep, I've got that. I didn't pay for the license, but I got it. <laughs> he's like, I just downloaded uh, 52 new plugins, actually. But So he's like, but listen, we're, you're getting way ahead of yourself. We don't even need you to draw her. Can you just maybe first tell me what kind of person she is? So Logi okay. is like... Let's see. Okay. And and Luigi does his best to describe her. And it's so cringe. I just got to say like from my oh no. Oh perspective no. as I don't I don't know. I hate to be a feminist. <laughs> Not that Allie. <laughs> He's like, "Well, she's how should I say, pure and delicate. And like when you see her, your first reaction is just to protect her. Oh god. To, no, to to care for her, you know, and I could just go on and on about kind of his way of describing her all being sort of relative to the way he wants to feel. Uh-huh, yeah. You know? It's almost like he, he needs to feel like he has somebody around that he can, like, infantilize almost. Oh, totally. I'm like, okay, so basically your projection of, you know, who this girl, or like who, this girl is literally your projection of what you think will heal your relationship with your mother most likely. Right, yeah. <laughs> like Simple either, cut and dry. Baby, this is Freud, page this one. Is page one. Like, uh-huh. you, maybe your mother didn't protect you, or you try, you couldn't protect your mother, and now, okay, like, mm-hmm. you're just, I mean, isn't every straight man just trying to fuck to his mother <laughs> yeah, mm. to kill his dad and fuck his mother i mean allegedly like okay you couldn't protect your mother from your father you couldn't <laughs> steal See, her. i can't i can't relate but 
you know, I can I can see that on others. So I was just like, okay, maybe this is on purpose. I don't know. Yeah, right. Lo G is getting really frustrated because he's he's struggling to describe who she is or find the right words without sounding, you know, completely Freudian. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, there's no mention of Freud. These are all my own creative uh, comments. But he is struggling to describe her because it's like, he really isn't saying much. She's pure. She's delicate. She she needs to be protected. It's like, okay. Yeah. Dasha is yeah. like, all right, all right. Let me try to fucking help you out here, buddy. <sighs> what happens when you're with her? The more detail, the better. Okay. And Loji is like, wait, when I'm with her? Wait, how, how do you know about the two of us? And Dasha is like, you got a cigar. So Loji gets him a cigar. He lights it up. Finally, Loji relaxes maybe he stops judging himself so much and he just finds mm-hmm. the words to explain to Dasha how this woman came to life in okay. his mind in the library and then appeared in his lectures and then how he met her in front of the imaginary fireplace in his dormitory and then recounted every last detail of their road trip where you know they got lost in the mm-hmm. hypothermia and Dasha goes <laughs> He's blowing like those Gandalf, like sailing ship smoke rings. Exactly. He's like, uh huh. All right. Luoji, I think I got it. Let me guess a few things about the girl and you tell me if I'm right. Oh, okay. Come on, criminal profiler, Dasha. Yeah, Luoji's like, great. Okay, great. Dasha's like, education, bachelor's at least, but less than a doctorate. Okay. <laughs> Loji's like, yes, yes, she is knowledgeable, but, but not to the point where it jades her. It only makes her more sensitive to life and to the world. Uh, okay. Dasha's like, she's probably born to a highly educated family. More affluent than most, but not too rich that she's disconnected from the world. She enjoyed. You know what this is actually giving me? He goes, her father was a relentless self-improving boulangerie owner from Belgium with low-grade narcolepsy and a penchant for buggery. Her mother was a 15-year-old French prostitute named Chloe with webbed feet. Her father would womanize. He would drink. He would make outrageous claims like he invented the question mark. Sometimes he would accuse chestnuts of being lazy. This sort of general malaise that only the genius possess and the insane lament. Her childhood was typical. Summers in Rangoon, luge lessons. In the spring, she'd make meat helmets. When she was insolent, she she was placed in a burlap bag and beaten with reeds. Pretty standard, really. At the age of 12, she received her first scribe. At the age of 14, a Zoroastrian named Vilma ritualistically shaved her testicles. There really is nothing like a shorn scrotum. It's breathtaking. I suggest you try it. (laughs) (laughs) Not Chloe with the webbed feet. I think this episode is called Chloe with the webbed feet. Do you know what that's from? No. It's Dr. Evil (laughs) describing (laughs) his childhood. (laughs) It's one of my favorites. Can't recommend it enough. It's so good. Chloe would wear (laughs) Summers in Rangoon. (laughs) In the spring, we'd make meat helmets. Meat helmets. Um, No, so Dasha's like, (laughs) 
you know, she enjoyed her parents' love, but she didn't really engage too much with the community or the lower rungs of society. Okay. Tasha's like, yes, yes, right. Well, it's interesting. She never told me about her family circumstances or anything, but actually she didn't tell me much about herself at all. And it's like, no shit, Sherlock. Like, yeah. this is all a projection of you. Yeah, clapping <laughs> so, between every word. She's not real. No, literally. As we say in the rooms of 12-step, everything you think you know about someone else is actually about you. Mm. Anyway, she, but he's like, yes, yes. You know what? She never told me any of that, but I reckon that is the case. Dasha goes, now, if any of my speculations are wrong, Luoji, just tell me. Does she like to wear simple, elegant clothing? A little plainer than other women her age? Mm -hmm. Something white amongst a rather dark outfit at all times? Dasha continues, she's not too tall, 160 centimeters or so. I don't know. What is that in feet? You're asking the wrong American. (laughs) Five, two, or five, yeah. She, Dasha is like, she's not tall, but five, yeah, five two, but slender, like a wind could blow her away, so as not to seem too stocky, essentially. He's like, okay. Dasha's like, I can come up with more, of course, but I'm not far, am I? Loji is speechless. He's like, Dasha, I throw myself on the ground before you, you, you wizard. How do you know what she's like? A gog. Dasha opens up the old police sketch Photoshop software Uh 12.2 Leopard OS X. And he updates the software, which always takes a little longer than expected. He's got to reset the computer. He's got a lot. It always happens at the worst time. (laughs) I know. And he's got to go get the charger. And he's got to pee. And (sighs) finally, they get the app up and running. Takes forever. He opens new document, 1080x. (laughs) Oh, God. He has to, like, really build the canvas. They're really putting him through it. (laughs) Then finally, he sketches her out. And the woman's portrait appears on the screen before Luoji's eyes. And Dasha is like, tell me what's off and I'll adjust it. Luoji looks at the screen and... He can't speak. He can't move. He tries to tear his gaze from the computer, but but he can't. It's her, he says. It's. I know you said gaze like I'm looking, but I just, I saw like a horde of like WeHo gays, <laughs> like all clamoring to try and like log into their grinder on the only computer at this remote resort. That's. Like, I like that. <laughs> or like they're trying to like adjust much. her face. He's like, no, no, no. Her nose is not like that. Like he's just yeah. like fighting yeah, yeah, yeah. for control of the mouse. And uh, he's like, Luo G is like, that's that's her. It's her. She's perfect. Dasha is like, eh, I thought so. And he closes the computer. Luo goes, Dasha, you are a devil. And Dasha is like, ain't nothing magical about being a man. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. I'm like, LOL, <laughs> period. I mean, it's facts. Literally. I'm like, come on, Loji, don't be fucking naive. Loji's like, no, but I insist on being naive. He's like, but every man's dream lover has got to be different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Dasha's like, dream lovers are basically the same for men of a certain type. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, all of them are the same. And it's like, He's like, I have seen your watch history. I can do this with my eyes closed. Exactly. There's only like a couple of archetypes of women that men have a fantasy about. And Mm -hmm. I I mean, I'm not I don't need to be a fucking police investigator with four decades in the force to tell you what any man's dream woman is like. 
bring me the man. I'll talk to him for as long as Dasha talked to Luoji. Maybe three minutes. Yeah, no longer. Not even and, necessary. And I'll be yeah. able to draw her up. So Dasha's like, come on. And Luoji's like, but still, getting so close to the real thing should be impossible. And uh-huh. Dasha is like, well, you told me a lot of stuff. And it's like, did you? Anyway, Luoji is like, do you think you can find her? And Dasha said, well, I'll have to run it through higher ups at the precinct or at the police analysis center or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if they approve it and they assign me to the task, then yeah, I should be able to find her. There. Their software is able to match faces in a sea of 100 million per day. Like, this is the strongest facial recognition software in the world. No shock. It's China. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. (laughs) Loji is like, if you have any issues, just tell them it's for the Wallfacer project. They'll understand. (laughs) He's like, magic words. Yeah. Dasha chuckles, just like us. And he's like, all right, Loji. Thanks. Uh Uh, I'll make sure to do that. And he leaves. So now we have a new scene and we find ourselves at the Planetary Defense Council headquarters. Now, Dasha has just left Luoji. He's come to the PDC to submit this dream girlfriend project for approval where we meet, blast from not so distant past, Mr. Kent. Remind me, who's Kent again? Remember Kent was the guy who was introduced to Luoji on the plane and he was like, now Mr. Luo, we're (laughs) going to take you off the plane and into the airport now, okay? Follow (laughs) me closely. Like just talking to him like he's such an idiot, basically. Got it. And here at PDC HQ, Kent is having a really hard time wrapping his head around the plan. Like, Dasha has spelled it out for him. He's said, you know, exactly this is part of Wallface or Luoji's plan. But Kent is just like, hang on. You're telling me the PDC needs to find him a a dream lover? Like, am I getting that right? Like, this guy, like, what the fuck? Like, we have babied him for so long. No, Dasha, I will not pass this request up the chain of command. What else does he need? Opium and a pack of 500 condoms? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, literally. Like, he's like, it, he, he's done. Like, this is my line in the sand. He doesn't actually need this. No, I'm not doing that. And Dasha's like, well, Kent, you know, not to be all technical or whatever, but you should know then, if you're not going to pass this up the chain of command, you should know that puts you in direct violation of the Wallfacer Project's prime principle. And in case you forgot, the prime directive of the Wallfacer Project is literally quoting no matter how incomprehensible a wall facers plan may be it must be reported and executed any veto power comes solely from the pdc so like they would convene the council they would all be like okay move it to a vote type thing so it's like who does kent think he is basically just sort of like unilaterally deciding what really the pdc commander and chairman should be deciding um i don't think you have the clearance to do that so move yeah right literally Send it up the chain. It's giving very like Jared Kushner trying to solve the Middle East, you know, totally. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not going to (laughs) fly. It's like, who do you think you are? You're not even supposed to be here, maybe. Oh, my God. That reminds me Ooh, of, you know, the you know the meme, or not meme, but did you, ever, did you watch a season of Project Runway where, where Carly Kloss was hosting and the designer was like, you wouldn't even wear it to dinner, dinner with, with the, the Kushners? Dinner with the Kushners? Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
I get to see every not time. Even to gagged. dinner with the Kushners. She was gagged. Gagged. On that night. Yeah. I fucking love that. Okay, go on. So hearing this, Dasha kind of throws the book at Kent, and then they kind of go back and forth about whether or not like it's right for anybody to be questioning the motivations of a wall facer when like, you know, admittedly nobody can have any true inclination of like what the goal of the plan is. So Dasha, you know, like with his history in interrogating suspects and like getting answers out of people who may otherwise, you know, want to conceal information, he tries a new tactic. And Dasha is like, Ken, do you know what the biggest difference is between you and me? What? When I get an order, I carry it out. No questions asked. They tell me what to do. I go and I do it. And then I feel good about doing my job. You, you have to know the reason why behind everything. Dasha's like, and it's not right or wrong to be that way. Like, you should just know I'm not like coming for you. I'm not telling you you should like be more like me or anything, but just wanted to let you know that like if everybody had to understand every why before something, like before they did anything, this world would have fallen into chaos eons ago. Like we are only where we are because when people are given orders, they carry them out. And I'm just like, ooh, that's kind of like a lot of blind faith in world governments right there. I'm just like, no. A healthy level of skepticism is important, yeah. but it's also like Kent, I think, is veering into like unhealthy skeptic. He's an ego. See the Holocaust. <laughs> mm, yeah. And so Dush is like, you know, Kent, take it or leave it. But if you always need to know why behind something, you're going to have a really hard time in life, like way harder than it has to be, basically. And Kent is like, I'm gonna have a hard time in life. What do you mean? I'm already having a rough time. I just wasted boatloads of money for Luoji buying this wine that nearly killed him. Does he even look like a wall facer to you? Like he's fully lost confidence in Luoji. Truly iconic behavior. I, I like the idea that like there are tabloids going around at this time like like in paparazzi like documenting like the latest like expenditure wasting you know like yeah like yeah like like what what, budget wasting expense that the wall facer has asked for and like i feel like it's like the press coverage of like california governor gavin newsom eating at the french laundry the first week of lockdown during covid right right or ted cruz going to to fucking mexico yeah like bury that my daughter's I did <laughs> my daughters wanted me to do like any father. Meanwhile, right. his state is like freezing over. So anyway. anyway, Kent has like lost all faith in Luoji. He's like, Dasha, does he even look like a wall facer to you? Like, I'm still not even convinced. And Dasha just kind of like laughs it off. And he's like, what the fuck is a wall facer even supposed to look like? Kent. Kent. <laughs> Which like kind of left Kent like stunned and like his jaw dropped a little bit because like he'd never actually thought about that he's just like throwing out accusations because he's like already decided that luoji's a lost cause basically yeah it's like okay dorit <laughs> honestly oh my god honestly did you watch yesterday's that. episode no not yet not yet oh you got to see the sit down with garcelle and dorit it's like no spoilers i'm watching okay tonight, okay promise so dasha at this point holding true to being everyone's biggest cheerleader is like you know even if there were some ideal wall face or template for somebody to follow luoji is not inconsistent with it just so you know and kent is like dasha you cannot be serious you're telling me you see quality in this guy and dasha's like damn straight are you questioning the pdc's abilities and choosing wall facers you're sounding a little seditious right now kent should we go talk to somebody about that where were you on january 6th kent (laughs) 
Dasha is like, Kent, you know, Luoji couldn't give a fuck less about anything. You've met him. Like, for how anxiety-ridden he is about literally everything, he's pretty open-minded. And he does just kind of go with the flow. Like, you could take some pointers from him. Like, loosen up a little bit, you freak. Dasha is like, open-mindedness is what you need to accomplish anything great. And, well, you'll never accomplish anything great, Kent. <laughs> One last insult before I go. I know, which like doesn't help anything. So it's like Kent obviously doesn't like to hear somebody else just like flat out and be like, "Mm, well, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow, but I got some news for you. You're never going to accomplish anything great mic drop mm-hmm. you know like vary that so all of Kent his insecurities like, flare up he hears yeah, and he hears like, his father in the back of his mind you'll never be anything 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 daddy <laughs> yep. so that makes kent like dig his heels in even deeper about not wanting to submit luoji's plan for approval but like dasha is like okay whatever and he leans in really closely to kent's face drops his voice really low like just above a whisper and i'm kind of imagining he's using like now the full sum total of his interrogation tactic you know tool belt that he carries with him from all his years serving in the police force and their faces are so close the tips of their noses are almost touching and dasha says kent make the report some things just take time you will understand eventually. And it must have scared Kent because eventually agrees and he submits the report. But before he agrees to do so, he says, Dasha, can you at least let me see this dream lover? Like, do we have a photo of her? This whole thing is still like insane to me. So Dasha pulls up police sketch Photoshop (laughs) 12.256. Monterey. The software updated again on his way to meet Kent. And he also has one of those, like, keychain passwords that he has to carry mm-hmm. with him at all times. Yep, the security fob from Google, uh-huh. He has to call their help desk, which is obviously outsourced. It takes a little while. And then finally, when he's able to log into his laptop, and when the image loads... It's like 600 gigabytes. It's going to take... No, literally. It, <laughs> first, he has to download it from WeTransfer, because he realized if he stored it on his computer, he wouldn't have enough memory for the computer to turn off and back on again. So right. he has to re-download it from the cloud (laughs) this will just take a second three days later when it finally renders Kent's eyes become saucers like they nearly pop out of his skull he rubs his eyes and he takes a second and he goes (laughs) he goes oh fuck I'm telling you right now Dasha a hundred thousand percent no one like this exists but I hope you find her so I'm like, oh, interesting. Luoji and Kent have the same type. <laughs> I am like, how is this person going to be rendered in the show? Who are they going to decide? Is there like... I know. I have ideas. I wonder if they'll get Bing Bing. Who's Bing Bing again? She's the actress who, she disappeared for a long time. Like, people were worried about her safety. She disappeared. And it was learned that basically she had been taken to sort of like ideological re-education of sorts because she hadn't been paying her taxes. Classic. Or like... Or there was some kind of an accounting error with the taxes oh, that were paid, bingling. like they weren't right or something. Yeah. I was thinking, you know who I was thinking? Sonoya Mizuno. She's like in Ex Machina. Oh, she's in. She plays the girlfriend in, um, what's the Nick Offerman show we watched on Hulu? <gasps> Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, she was also in, uh, what's it called? Maniac, that show, uh, oh, the Netflix show. I love 
I love that show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Debs, that show. Debs, Debs. But you know who else would yes. be really good? This is a Mongolian actress, Ghana Bayer Saikon. Okay. Look her up. I'm like, you know what? I feel like that's her. She's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. Ooh. Oh my God. This black and white portrait of her with her hands folded at her lips. Yes. Oh my God. Icon. Right? I feel like she could maybe. Oh, please. I hope that would be, I mean. A good casting. Yeah. It's already been cast. Anyway, anyway, anyway. I wonder who they'll choose. If they even keep that part of the book in the show. We have no idea. Scene alert. And we join Wallfacer Tyler, who's come to meet with Zhang Beihai. Now, if you remember Zhang Beihai, the political commissar, off the bat, I'm thinking, okay, this is probably something about the Wallfacer plan. Maybe he's trying to gather more like sensitive documents about research, something to that effect. And we learn here that Tyler's Wallfacer plan requires that he study the military. Oh, so he's been given... He's kamikaze boy. Yeah. Tyler, remember before, Tyler was the one who was like, Mom, I'm going to be a firefly. Speaking of kamikaze, Ooh. I watched Midway the other day. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. It's like, if you want to watch like a, mm, no pun intended, mid... Uh, <laughs> mid, a way mid a, movie a, a midway mid midway movie um it's like nick jonas is in it the script is like so cheesy the dialogue is so cheesy there's something just cheesy about it but it I'm is nick jonas and you're watching the disney channel truly and it is it's war it's action it's like uh fighter pilots and okay. it's japanese versus the americans right after pearl harbor you see oh, the movie starts okay. with pearl harbor and then ends with the Battle of Midway, which was considered like a big turning point in World War II, uh-huh. which is just like another island that I believe the Japanese had control of. Anyway. As part of Tyler's plan, obviously, to like, you know, take a nuclear warhead on a spaceship into space and like sort of command a fleet of basically space kamikaze pilots to hopefully, you know, make a dent in the Trisolarian fleet's armada. Tyler has come to study the military with political commissar Zhang Beihai. And Tyler is like, Colonel, do you find it even a little bit out of the blue that I've asked you to study your political and ideological work as it relates to your job and your military capacity? Because like, I guess the inclination is that he would just be there to study like, you know, technical specifications, physically how to fly, things like that. And Zhang Beihai is like, no, not at all. Actually, when President Bush was in office, we're talking George W. Hmm. Donald Rumsfeld once came to meet with me for a very similar situation. So there's precedent for it. So he's like, no, in the past, America actually came to me to learn about my own ideologies as it related to my work. So he's like, you know, you're whatever. not original, Tyler. You've got clearance. You're not special just because you're a wall facer, Tyler, please. What do you want to know? <laughs> Tyler's like, great, because I was hoping to do some really in depth investigating if that's okay and Zhang Beihai is like yeah sure fine like whatever I've been told yeah he's like my (laughs) higher authorities told me that I have to hold nothing back and I have to give you any and all information you need so please shoot like that's why we're here so Tyler's like okay bet I'm here because I need an answer and I'm gonna ask you first if that's okay and he's like just fucking get to the question like what are we spinning our wheels here for so Tyler's like Colonel do you think it's possible 
possible that we can restore the spirit of armies of the past? Do you believe in magic? Sorry. <laughs> and Chang is like, what the fuck does that mean? And Tyler is like, from battles that were fought in ancient Greece all the way through World War II, there was this kind of sort of like common spirit that ran through everybody. It was like everybody shared this sense of duty and honor above all. And when you found yourself in a time of desperate need, there was never short supply of anybody willing to help. Sometimes even going so far as to lay down their lives if that was required. Whatever that spirit can be called, I think it's vanished from society because I don't see it anywhere. And I think if there's any way we can, we have to restore that. Yeah. And Zhang is like, any set of ideals held by the armed forces are held also collectively by society. So, you know, if we are going to restore the spirit of army's past, Zhang Beihai is like, before it takes over the military, first we have to get it into the entire population first. Like, we have to completely change the culture of the entire planet. Mr. Tyler, that's not possible. But Tyler is like, Why? We have 400 years. In the past, humanity has used that exact same time frame to evolve from a, this collective identity where everybody was like happy to like work together and lend a hand and like come to each other's aid and evolve into this like current day individualistic identity. He was saying, he's like, why can't we just use the time that we have before the Trisolarans arrive to revert society back to what we moved away from? It's, it makes me, okay, so if we were to go back 400 years from, you know, like, say, like, today was, like, mm -hmm. Trisolaran, when, when, what was 400 years ago? 1700s? 1600s? Yeah, before the founding of America. Like, so crazy if you think about it. If, like, in the 1600s, they were like, all right, we've got four centuries to prepare. Yeah. And it's like, here we are. We are the generations after generations. Oh, and they, they got a lot done. <laughs> but but do we feel prepared? No. If we're getting invaded <laughs> by Trisolaris, we're fucked. But we are yeah. a very individualistic society. And yeah, it's a good point. But I feel like Zhang Beihai has been feeling this way also. It's like it, it's part of the whole like nihilism that he's been kind of campaigning against yeah because his whole thing is like well how are we gonna win if there's even like the seed of defeatism happening totally. like if you've if you've got people serving in your military and it's like they're there obviously because like they're under contract and to not be means they're put in prison you know like if they go awol and just like don't show up but it's like that's still a worst case scenario because like the best case is that like everybody you have enlisted is enlisted but also has bought into the vision or the goal or whatever you know the ideological sort of underpinnings there are and so i feel like this is kind of like where their venn diagrams are starting to you know officially meet sort mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. for the first time and so tyler you know to tyler's question of like well we have 400 years before the trisolarans show up why can't we just use that time to evolve back to this sort of like communal sense of society that we had that we have evolved away from in the past 400 years and jeng Beihai really ponders the question for a minute and finally he speaks and he says you know Tyler unfortunately I think society has matured and where we were compared to where we are today it's like that was our childhood and now we're in adulthood and you know as well as me once you're in adulthood you can never return to your childhood even if you still 
practice behaviors and activities that are in and of themselves childish. Right. You can you're an adult operating as a child. You there's no physical way to go back there. Totally. Zhang Beihai's like humanity has literally never faced a crisis like the one that we're facing right now. So, I don't even know how possible it would be to revert society to a way of thinking that may not even apply to the threat that we're facing. Like you have to take into consideration like society has evolved to the point that we have in direct response to world events that have happened that have forced us into one direction or another and he's like I'm almost afraid that even if we were successful that sort of groupthink collectivism wouldn't even be something that would help us because this is such a new big bad for us right right how do we even know if it's going to help us like yeah and-, and Tyler's like well Wait, hang on. As far as I know, you're one of the strongest triumphalists there are, Zhang Beihai. Like, if the spirit of the military writ large is all defeatism, how will a space fleet even hope to make a dent in an enemy as powerful as the Trisolarans? And Zhang's answer was kind of murky, and it gave Tyler a sense that what he was saying was sort of like all he could say in the short amount of time that they were together. Because, like, you know, he's been given clearance to tell Tyler anything he needs to know, but, like, they don't have forever. Like, they gotta kind of, like, get to it and get things moving. And Tyler has the sense that also, like, maybe if they had weeks just to have this particular conversation that maybe they could start scratching the surface of getting to like what Zhang could actually probably say on the subject. In the musical theater adaptation, I want a countdown timer, but it's like 400 years. Yep. Right? Always running. Right? Stage centered just below the proscenium. And it's thematic because you can use it in also like numbers, numbers, numbers in my eyes. Yep. All of it. It's what signals the start and end of intermission. It mm-hmm. like it's everything. There's definitely a number called Dream Lover. Obviously, obviously that like Luo G continues to sing. And also, you made me think of another one in your section. Oh, another number. Yeah, I don't remember what it is. Maybe it's about like obeying the wall facer, pro- like the wall facer project in general. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And just like I feel like also there's a like a common refrain that's like called 400 years yeah that's sort of the thing that gets like reprised over and over exactly we've Mm -hmm. got four centuries to figure it out four centuries before we know what they're about so fawns are listening in the walls and if we don't figure it out we are all gonna die 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 And then it's like, also, you can just like retool that to like throw it in a minor key for when someone's had a setback, Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. slightly like add a little like glockenspiel for when there's a little bit of hope getting injected, you know, like whatever. We've got 400 years to figure it out, figure it out, or yeah, whatever. Glockenspiel goes a long way for sure. Star of the show. You'll be orchestrating, clearly. Catch me in the pit, baby. (laughs) So Tyler is like, you know, he's he's like happy that he's getting some answers, but he's not happy with the answers that he's getting because he's like, man, I really just wanted to like say these things out loud and have them be like, yeah, let's fucking do it, you know, but he just, he got some advice that, you know, he obviously believes in the weight of the opinions that Zhang Beihai holds. So Tyler leaves Space Force headquarters and And on his way out, he passes a sentry who's just like, you know, I guess there's like multiples of these guards, you know, 
guns in hand, lining the hallway is just like there for the security of the thing. And when he passes this guy, they make brief eye contact with each other. And the sentry smiled, like super shyly. It was almost like he wasn't sure if he was allowed to even look at a wall facer. And like if he did and got caught, he really wasn't sure if he was allowed to smile at him. So he's like, uh, just like really sheepishly, like wall facer smile, like micro edition. Like white people on a on a hike. Have you seen that? Oh, <laughs> with the head bob. The <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which was a little funny for Tyler, too, because in Tyler's experience so far, any other sentry in any other country would have just stared straight ahead, glassy-eyed, just like a human statue at their post. So on his way out, he's kind of thinking like, oh, it's nice here. <laughs> and right before he walks out the door, he repeated that thing that he said the last time we saw Tyler, the wall facer. He reaches for the door, he opens it, and he says to himself, Mom... I'm going to be a firefly. I wonder if it's foreshadowing his death. I don't know. I'm genuinely kind of like just, I'm no, I am genuine, not kind of, I'm genuinely just like taking a stab in the dark here and saying yep. like, okay, why? I mean, these are the, that's the suicide note essentially or mm-hmm. the la- like of, of these kamikaze pilots. So I'm just like, okay, sounds like you don't know it yet, but like you are going to experience the same fate as a kamikaze yeah. pilot. Yeah. And you know what? But I also, you know, it's like the more, the more something is repeated, the more I begin to doubt the truth of it. Mm, like, you know, like to it, throw you off the scent. Yeah. Like it's, it also kind of comes across as like me thinks he doth protest too much a little bit. Cause I'm like, I wonder if, you know, the mom I'm going to be a firefly is kind of like a misdirect. Maybe. Like maybe, maybe we think, I don't know. Cause I don't, you know, right now I'm seated. I don't remember. So I'm going to get to experience it all over again. Just like you. I'm having like a very 51st dates experience with this whole book yeah. series. I wonder also, okay. If I, if I were, a wall facer mm-hmm. what would i do what would i do i don't know i think i'm holding to my opinion from earlier i think if i had the opportunity i think i would i'd probably be more active than the woji but like i definitely would be like let's enrich ourselves down you know what i mean like let's just take first so much full advantage yeah first things first me mm-hmm now humanity if you can't love yourself how How the the hell hell are you gonna love somebody else (laughs) can i get an amen that's loji right now he's Mm -hmm. like i gotta love me first So now we find ourselves in our last scene of today's episode. And we are back at the estate, Maison Luoji, you know, <laughs> like in, in high above the mountains of wherever the fuck, Europe. And it's nighttime and it's raining and it's cold and it's windy. And inside the house, it's also cold and kind of drafty and not very homey. And Luoji is sitting in the living room in this huge comfy chair, sipping his brandy in front of the fireplace but the fireplace is not lit and i thought it was interesting where it's like you know luoji has been given literally anything he could want right like he's living in the salt burn mansion that's like on a lake (laughs) 
by a forest at the base of like what could be the Alps or something. And he's like, the one thing that he says, you know, this place has to have a fireplace. It is non-negotiable. He hasn't even built a fire in this yet. And it's like, you know, his whole sort of like, we'll say affinity for fireplaces are, are sort of like inextricably linked to this like dream girlfriend that he was manifesting around campus. So it's like, you know, most likely he's waiting to see if Dasha can turn up the goods and bring him this woman that may not even exist before he lights a fire. He's saving his fire for marriage. I guess. So as he's sitting there, just sort of like, I guess, pondering over like, is she going to show up over and over and over? Like Certainly that, that one thought Nothing on to do with Trisolaris. <laughs> nothing to do with the Wallfacer project. Yeah. There's a little knock at the door and he sits up really straight. Tap, he's like, oh my God, tap, tap. This, could, this could be them. Okay, uh, uh. Okay, come in. And the door opens, and this really slender figure walks in. It's almost like she came in off a breath of rain, the book says. She just, like, slinks inside. And she's like, hello, Mr. Luo. And he jumps up out of his chair. He's like, uh, is it cold outside? I really can't stay. (laughs) It was so giving that. Yeah. Baby, like, let me out. drop some G in your drink and you're not going anywhere. I've got to go away. Mm-hmm. This evening has been, you just got here. <laughs> I feel like that, I feel like that song teaches an important lesson on consent. No? Oh yeah. That was like a whole discussion. That was, it, it was, it's in the discourse. Say no to peer pressure. Totally. And also maybe don't press peer pressure. Also that. No means no. Mr. Luoji, but anyway, it's not quite. No, is a complete sentence. Yeah. Yeah. So he jumps up out of his chair. He's like, uh, 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 um, are you okay? Is it cold outside? Do you need anything? And she's like, no, I mean, it's a little cold, but I'm fine. She goes, I'm Zhuang Yan, Mr. Luo. You called for me? Oh, which, like, you know, he's probably like, boing. Yeah. And he's like, hello, Zhuang Yan, let me light the fire. Yeah, because it's like now, finally, like his whole little like fantasy vision has come together. So Luoji strikes a match, he lights the fireplace, and the two of them get super comfy, just like now physically living out Luoji's fantasy. And Luoji's thinking to himself, he's like, Dasha, you dirty dog. How the fuck did you find this person like this person was a figment of my imagination back at Tsinghua University walking around with me making snow angels like making me feel like a complete dumbass for believing in like a figment basically how is she sitting here right now the bastard founder and it's like he looks into the fireplace and it's almost like he has this moment of like profound like gratitude almost because like as he's looking into the fireplace realizing she's sitting here beside him tears just came Came, like straight from his eyes like faucets turned on and it's like to the point where like he's having such a strong and a fast reaction Luoji's like almost afraid to look at her because he's like oh if I make eye contact with her in this moment I am gonna turn into an absolute like puddle of pieces of myself on the floor like I, I'm overwhelmed I'm overwhelmed but like kind of I'll take love overwhelmed Luoji over like anxiety attack Luoji any day of the week like he's a little more crazy to behold but like i can stand to be around that luoji more i think than like neurotic 
Luoji. Sure. Yeah. He's so nervous. And I imagine her, did you, uh, obviously you heard Gypsy Rose Blanchard is out of prison. And oh, we talked yeah. about this. I picture her voice being very Gypsy Rose Blanchard or just being oh, like, oh, yeah. Wow. It's uh, quite a place you got here. Mm-hmm. Quite a place you got here. And he's just like, was it, was it not what you were expecting? She's like, no, not at all. And he's like, well, what were you expecting? And she, were you expecting a bunch of generals pointing at maps and, you know, kind of like the red string going across the walls, me trying to uh-huh, yeah. figure out the big wall facer plan? Situation room. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, kind of. <laughs> then it's like, is this person real or is she like an android that's like in a in a skin suit to just make him like get on with the show i mean she's obviously a real person but i'm like come on show us more of who you are like give us more queen i'm like don't be who he wants you to be be a cunt i know please (laughs) in a world where you can be anybody be cunty right so i'm hoping that this is once again a misdirect that like she is actually far more powerful than we realize Yep. But I could be wrong. We'll see. So Luoji's like, you have to be really tired. Like, I don't I don't know where you came from exactly, but like, it's a long way to get here and you must be tired. Here, do you want to have a glass of wine? And she's like, oh, okay, thanks. So Great he pours idea. her a glass. Yeah. So like now truly his like vision of this woman is like playing out. They're sharing a glass of wine because remember his, his ex-wife was like, oh, you'll get there. Sitting you didn't set a place fire. for her. Yeah. Like they're having this moment now fully realized. Ugh, it's so cringe. It describes him looking at her holding the delicate rim of the wine glass and he thinks Mm -hmm. of the most fragile parts of her mind. This just arouses him to no end thinking about how delicate she is, the way she trusts the world, the way she has no weariness whatsoever and how the world was just lying in wait to destroy her. Oh boy. She needed to be cared for. This was her castle. And I'm just like, okay, ew, but also, all right, are we yeah. like trying to like paint a juxtaposition between like the way Ye Wen Ji saw the world, right? Not like no. like book 1 really hammered home that the world is a bad place and like yeah. everyone is suffering and it should pay. And Luo Ji, I guess Luo Ji is like paramour if you will, is really almost like this symbol of what is so hard to find, which is mm-hmm. someone who is not burdened or jaded by the fucking bleakness of existence. Yeah. Kind of like what he said to Dasha earlier, like she knows a lot, but she doesn't know so much that she's like seen behind the curtain basically. Like she hasn't lost that like vigor that still makes life like a like a magical and a fun thing to experience which like you know for him he doesn't have that because all he has is anxiety about everything that he knows now totally so he turns to her and he's like what did they tell you like when they when they like approached you or found you what did they tell you that you'd be doing when you got here i'm just curious and she's like um that i'd be coming to work and she's like, but Mr. Luo, what is it that I'm working on? And he's like, well, you went to university. What did you study? Oh, only the most practical thing in the world. Traditional painting. <gasps> oh, <laughs> okay. Okay. I see. We're gonna parents s- must be proud. We're going to stop Trisolaris. 
by wowing them with an oil painting. With a painting. <laughs> Imagine. She's like, I just graduated. This girl is like no older than 22. Maybe It's literally like, no, yeah, like she, I don't know. I'm like, did they tell her she was going to get paid? Or did they tell her it was like an internship and she would like have a job in the government afterward? I'm like, I'm, I'm not still yet seeing the benefit of like what would make her be like, okay, yeah, I'll come with you and do this thing unless she was like, you know, physically compelled to. Right. Because, you know, that's also not outside the possibility. Realm, yeah. the, the PDC can do whatever they want, you know. But if like, you know, it's part of the Wallfacer project and like, you know, it's like this honor to be like tapped. Maybe True. That I mean, was she. Enough. She did just like basically get like the the job invitation to like be the girlfriend of like you know, Harry Styles or the equivalent or something for how famous Luoji is now. Right. So, so anyway, anyway Luoji thinks about it for a little while. Yeah. He's like a, a painter. Okay. She studied fine art, an oil painter. It's not even like a fast method of painting. Okay. Uh. Well, you know, I don't really need any paintings right now, so uh, I don't have any work for you to do immediately. But like, let me think about it, and I'll get back to you. Like. In the meantime, like, you have to be tired. The journey was long. Have a nap, rest, sleep, recharge, go to the spa, take a swim in the lake. Like, whatever you need to do, just sort of, like, get your bearings back. And then, you know, eventually I'll think of something. And then, in the morning, this is one of my favorite paragraphs in this whole section. <laughs> when when the rain clears, Luo Ji felt as if God had washed out this Garden of Eden to prepare for Yan's arrival. And yeah. when she saw it in the daylight, what Luoji heard was not, quote, the squeals and fussing and exclamation that young women like her usually made. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Mama. In the face of such a view, she fell into an odd and breathless state. Un able to speak even one word of praise. She was far more sensitive to natural beauty than other women. She was, say with me, not, not like, like other, other girls. girls. I was just like, okay, we get it. We get it. She's not like other girls. She's perfect. She's quiet. She's docile. She I'm is. I'm looking at nature. She's going to come. Exactly. She didn't She didn't fuss about like normal girls did. She just shut the fuck. She shat the fuck up. She shat the fuck <laughs> up. That's too much. So, yeah. So, Luigi like is seeing her sort of like very quiet, like stilled, you know, odd response to nature. And he's like, so you really like to paint? And they kind of like talk back and forth a little bit about, you know, what it is that she likes to paint, where her imagination comes from. And then they kind of turn their gaze to the surrounding geography, like the lake, the fields, the forests, the mountains that have snow up on top. And, you know, she's just making observations about physically where they are. She's like, well, if it rained, why is there snow up there? And Luoji's like, okay, yeah, this is how I know this is the girl I dreamed of. She is smart, but she's not smart enough to understand that rain doesn't fall where snow does. Literally. Because rain is rain ah, and she's snow is snow. Just dumb enough. <laughs> just, just dumb enough. Just how I like them. Just dumb enough for me to teach her some stuff. You see, mm -hmm. Luo, no, you see, Yan, <laughs> yeah. that it's cold up there. <laughs> 
And that is due to a difference in elevation. He starts mimicking Kent. (laughs) But yeah, like I didn't really get into detail about like their little, like they decide to go outside on a little boat ride. It comes about because like in in talking about, you know, like Lua, why is there snow up here if it was raining so hard here at the house last night? Like, how is that possible? And so they talk about, you know, obviously like elevation differences. But Luo is like, wait, do you like snow caps? Do you like being in the snow? And she's kind of like, well, I mean, I haven't really been here very long, so... I don't know. Which leads me to believe, like, is she from a part of the world that, like, never sees snow? Right. To be, like, so taken with it? And, like, obviously didn't know about it. But Luo is like, well, uh, do you want to go see them? Like, we can do whatever we want. Should we just go up to the top of the mountain? And she's like, I would love that. But also, like, but what about my job? What will will they say if I'm not doing my work? (laughs) What will happen to the paintings? Yeah. And Luo's like, well, uh... Uh, you did just arrive and I kind of run this place. So just sit the work aside for now and let's like go up there and like actually see it and like have fun today on your first like official day here with me at Compound Luoji. They go down a road through a forest. The breeze is whipping up Yan's hair. Oh, she's just gorgeous. And it reminds him of that winter road trip that they had taken unbeknownst to her two years ago. Yeah. And she's looking at him and he's looking at her. Luoji feels like she she had been looking at him for a long time and that the look in her eyes was one of slight curiosity mixed with goodwill and innocence. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's like, tell me you want to date a child without telling me you want to date yeah. a child. Actually, like the sequel is Mommy Issues, the musical. Truly. Um, sunbeams flicker over her face, mm-hmm. her body. And also they like talk about painting or whatever. And she's sort of like telling him the difference between traditional painting and like not traditional painting. And there's this line also where it's like, you know, she spoke and like lectured him on traditional painting with no sense of being out of line. And Ooh. I was like, oh my God, so classic the way like yeah. men want to be seduced by women who are like just out of line enough to try to teach them something themselves mm-hmm. but not so out of line you know that they're they, as to make them feel small while exactly. they're doing it exactly i was just like okay i just don't yeah. i don't know how i'm gonna imagine there's like a, like a lot of self-awareness on the part of the author yeah probably but because i mean like yeah Luo, like why not make luoji this guy you know we all yeah. know this guy yeah literally um, he's like universal archetypal i feel like yeah but so anyways onward with their trip so they're talking about like you know they're just like encountering nature on this trip and one thing luoji sees he points out to her as an animal he like sees it flying around over the field over the house over the lake and he's like oh look at that eagle but when he sees it he's like oh but i know that's actually not an eagle that's one of the military's sentry drones hmm and then that makes him think he's like i have to call dasha so he pulls out his cell phone or maybe a satellite phone Right. because like I don't I don't imagine that you know T-Mobile has very good service and wherever they are and he dials Dasha and he's like hey Dasha how's it going uh, and Shichang's like oh Luo now you remember me it's been how long since I've heard from you I like totally delivered everything 
thing you asked and you didn't even bother to call me to say thank you. By the way, how's it going? Tell me everything. Are you happy? And happy? Like, Greg, Greg. Yeah, like he's like, couldn't be happier. Like everything is great. great she's job. perfect. She's smart, but she's just dumb enough. She's sweet. <laughs> she's not in my way. She doesn't like, you know, she's there. She's seen, but she's not heard unless I want to hear her. She's perfect. I couldn't ask for anything better. Like 10 out of 10, Dasha, like five stars will recommend. We will be rebooking, you know, like. And you know what? Hats off to Cixin Liu for writing in that part of like, but this woman, very unlikely she exists. You know, yeah. like, it's not like he's saying, yeah, like, this is all dig, women. Like. He's saying, yeah. we'll be lucky if we find one, one. woman. That it's fits. crazy. And so, okay, in that case, I'm like, all right, yeah. sure. That's diversity yeah. for you. There's got to be one woman like this. And Dasha says, you know, I'm glad to hear it's going well. I just wanted to let you know I've completed my last mission. And Luoji is like, what do you mean? Where are you? And he's like, I'm back home. I'm getting ready for hibernation. Because you remember, like, a couple of weeks ago, somebody was like, Dasha, what are you even doing walking around you were supposed to be in hibernation like well over a week ago like what uh your health is like very likely gonna take a hit from this like you need to go into hibernation so now that dasha has like satisfied finding this dream woman yeah yan yan for luoji to come and like you know live out however long they have completing this wall facer project he says yeah like i'm back home i'm getting ready for hibernation and the reason why is because i have leukemia dun, dun. And he's like, I have to go into hibernation so that I can wake up 400 years in the future and hope that we've found a cure for leukemia by then. Crazy. He's like, there was this incident. He's like, you weren't around for it. There was this incident where... There was this incident in book one. A bomb got (laughs) set off. It It was a dirty bomb, like lots of nuclear material. I got irradiated and I got sick like right after then. And I've been sick ever since and getting worse. And so now my doctors are like, you literally have to go down now because you are like vital in some way to our plan that's unfolding here as it relates to the Trisolarans. So he's like, I'm basically just letting you know that like, you know, you're not going to hear from me anymore. And also no pressure, but like the future history of my family name now rests on your shoulders. So, you know, good luck and don't fuck it up. Basically. And with that, the call with Dasha ends. I wonder if we'll ever hear from him again. We'll have to see, I guess. Luoji looks up at the sky and where the drone flying around had been, it's gone now. And the book says the empty blue wash of sky was his heart. Hmm. Just like empty. There's, you know, it's not dark. It's not scary, but it is empty. There's Mm -hmm. like a still a void there. Mm -hmm. He's a friend. He's missing him. Yeah. How is he going to run security detail if he's in hibernation? But so Yan Yan, who was like Zhuang Yan's nickname, Yan Yan and Luo Ji continue their absolutely riveting conversation mm-hmm. where you know she I, I do appreciate that she kind of like just asks him the things that the reader wants to ask him you know like yeah. a layman if you will yep. she's like so do you really think you're gonna beat the aliens and he's like I mean look they had to choose four people for the wall project that doesn't mean yeah. that these people are superheroes superheroes don't exist yeah she's like okay then well why were you chosen? Oh, like unintentional read. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're so small. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, really? Huh. <laughs> you're just so, um, don't take this the wrong way. Mm, mid? 
<laughs> and you've got no Riz? Like, let's be real. She's Gen Z. Yeah. She is, actually. He literally called if for she's, Gen like, if Z. If she's 20, 21. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, great question. Uh, let's see. Well, wall facers are the most untrustworthy people in history. They are, I guess, the world's greatest liars. <laughs> yeah, like so professional. I guess that maybe that's why I was chosen. Yeah. She's like, that's, but that's your job. Like, it doesn't mean you're bad. Yeah. He's like, listen, I'm going to tell you the truth. She's like, please, please, whatever it is, I can hear it. He's like... <clears throat> I don't know why I was chosen. I'm just an ordinary man. And she's like, you're so humble. (laughs) Um, She's like, it must be so hard being a wall facer under Mm -hmm. all that pressure. He's like, it is hard. And I'd like to make it easier. You know what would make it easier? Take your top off. No, he's quite the gentleman. He's like, you know, I know how you can help me. I know what your work will be in the wall facer project, essentially. Okay, finally, right? an assignment. Yeah. It is nice to know that, like, here I'm like, okay, well, actually, maybe he isn't the piece of shit that everybody around him assumes him to be, because, like, otherwise, maybe he wouldn't even give her anything. Right. He would just You're be just, like, I don't care. Your job is to have sex with me every day. And make me a sandwich. Literally. But he doesn't say that. He says something that really makes you go, huh. He's all right. Yeah. He says, Yan, your work as a part of the Wallfacer project is to make yourself happy. She's like, huh? He's Mm -hmm. like, you must become the happiest woman on earth. Trust me. This is all part of the plan. She's like, well, what would I do? He's like, whatever you want to. Tomorrow or when we get back, you can go wherever you want, do whatever you wish, live as you please. I can help you to realize all of it. She's like, but uh, I don't need anything. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's also like, baby, look around. Like, she's like, what could I need? I'm at Gwyneth Paltrow's house, basically. Yeah, I'm a painter. We've all seen that Architectural Digest tour. She's like, this is it. Like, what I need? What? Yeah, I come from money. You know, this is Lux. Uh, He's like, come on, everyone needs something. Aren't all young people... He's like, so fucking out of touch. Aren't all you young people chasing after something? I mean, you're an artist. She's like, like, I'm literally the one percent i've never chased anything no literally she's like i'm i'm not trying to become like a you know blue chip gallery artist she's like i paint for fun (laughs) he's like okay well then paint 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 he's like come on think don't think long term maybe just think about tomorrow what do you want to do tomorrow where do you want to go what will make you happy she thinks earnestly she's like if i tell you can you really make it happen she goes mr luo can you take me to the louvre Come on, that's slight work. Can he really make it happen? A tour guide can make that happen. There's a plane on the tarmac, and if that's out of fuel, there's a helicopter on the heliport waiting to take us to the private airport where we came from from the military. Like, what? What? Totally. Five, All you want to do is go to the Louvre? $500 and a boarding pass will get you to the Louvre. Like, I really hope we're about to go on like some kind of a Da Vinci Code. Like, you know, we're looking at art to find history clues, but then that's not Cixin Lu, that's Dan Brown. But right. wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. What a twist that would be into like the maybe past. There's, 
clues to the Trisolarans hidden in paintings all through the Louvre that or would something. Be, that would be a good I twist. Mean, there are tons of old paintings in religious contexts that depict, you know, biblical Old Testament angels, but that look like modern day UFOs. So it's like, not, no. you know, not a far stretch, I feel like. I know. I know. I'm always hesitant to get into the ancient aliens territory because I feel like it's a very divisive show. As ancient astronaut theorists believe. I'll let you guys guess where where I fall, on <laughs> which side yeah. of the line I fall. Honestly, yeah. I don't even know if I know. Like, it depends on the day. It depends who I'm talking to. I have no spine. I'm a jellyfish. <laughs> True. I am easily swayed. I'm easily swayed by what conversation is happening around me. I, I can't admit that. I, you may be a wall facer, but I am a people pleaser <laughs> mm, the people pleaser project <laughs> that's good that's also a good shirt actually yeah what a week what a week you guys happy new year happy new year we're going to paris well not really we're going to the louvre yeah to the louvre we are certainly not going to paris right because we just do not have enough Patreon subscribers, but one day, one day, you listeners, we see you in the stats, and yeah, we'll do a live show under the Champs Elysees. I something. beseech you, go to Patreon, go to our website, shopradarpeak.com, buy one of Patreon. our Patreon.com/slash/radarpeak, and buy a sexy hat. They're so good. They say, or a sticker. Our stickers are so cute. Honestly, if you buy a hat, stickers, we'll send you, you a get free a sticker. sticker. Also, a reminder, for our current and newly subscribed Trisolarian Overlord level on Patreon, you receive a custom, never-will-be-available-for-sale membership pin commemorating your dedication to the cause of bringing Trisolarian supremacy to Earth. They're so cute. You gotta go to They're our so Instagram cute. and you'll see them. Read our peak pod. But... I was thinking, you know, because you know, because it's a new year, because, you know, that with new years come new hopes, new fears, new dreams, new everything. You know, like it, it, it's it's there's something like maybe a little borderline like mentally ill with all of us on the planet that like somehow in the moments between like December 31st, 11, 59, 59 and January 1st, 12, 00, like something happens in our brain where like hope comes back to us all even like, you know, for right. a little while it, it starts dropping off. It starts dropping off for people at different points throughout the year as, you know, things just naturally happen to and around us. But it got me thinking because everybody's doing those in and out lists. For oh, the yeah. Year. For 2024, what are some of your outs? Like, let's just wave goodbye to your top three things that you are declaring out for the year moving forward. Mm. Mm. Oh, God. Okay. Ah, let me think. It's on the spot. I know. I love, I love something on the spot. I think my most immediate out is playing out what I would classify as doomsday scenarios before anything has even happened. Like, I, I, I have this habit of, like, whenever there's any kind of, like, a potential for anything to happen, if it's, like, a new job or if it's, like, a new client or, like, you know, whatever it could be, I automatically default and have in the past defaulted to sort of, like, doomsday prepping all the ways that something could go wrong before it's even happened. I'm declaring that out. We're uh, only believing we're only believing in success from now on of, oh, of anything, of, like, love. connecting with new people or of, like, getting a raise at your job or whatever it looks like. We're only believing in success from now on. That's my first thing. That's my first 
first in slash out. Love that. I'm going to say out AI generated Harry Potter uh, riffs. Like this is Harry Potter. Once if- I make <laughs> my move. Those? No, no. Like the, the take a look at what Harry Potter characters would look like if they were characters in the office. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, yep, 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 out. yep, yep. But in AI generated nudes of Tom Cruise only. Jumping on the Oprah couch. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, out. Uh out alcohol in marijuana. Ooh, love that. In disclosure. Out concealing. Slash gatekeeping. gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. In whistleblowers. Out. Culture of silence. Period. In I will say I did wake up this morning and I meditated and I did a guided meditation that I guided. I like guided Emily and me through one. And I think, I really think when I guide a meditation, people pay attention better Mm -hmm. than like when a recording does it. And I pay attention and it, I feel like I've done enough to kind of know how to do my own, but it was very much like a manifestation meditation of like becoming aware of like what your sort of neural pathways are that you no Mm -hmm. longer wish to go down so that when they come up, you kind of just are like stop yourself in your tracks or like explode that roadway, you know, dynamite it and then choosing a different neural pathway and, and embodying the emotional experience of the reality you wish to live. And I was like, oh my God, I gotta do this every morning. So I feel like that's in line with what you were saying about your first in and out. My last in Buying official Radar Peak merch at shopradarpeak.com. Yes. Out not subscribing to patreon.com slash radarpeak. Totally. Out is listening. I guess that counts as two ins. Out is listening but not subscribing. In is listening and subscribing. Support the content you consume. I cannot tell you what it does for mine and Brett's mental health. And that will be my final plea of the episode. Truly think about our friendship (laughs) all right y'all to all my radar freaks peeps and bugs out there (laughs) (laughs) i'm brett i'm Allie. i'm done saying words anything else peace up a town down a town down (laughs) (laughs) see you next time You've been listening to Season 2 of Radar Peak, a three-body podcast. Subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts or wherever you pod so you never miss an episode. For exclusive members-only content, subscribe to our Patreon. Oh, one last thing before you go. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a review and tell your friends about us. Join in on the conversation when you follow us on social media at Radar Peak Pod. See you there. <laughs>